Good morning, class. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. And we're so glad to uh, have you join our class today. In fact, we thought you might be coming, so we saved your seat right here in the front so I can uh, keep a close eye on you, you know, and make sure that you're focused and paying attention. Uh, what happens at faith schools? Anybody remember? In faith school, my faith is fed, my spirit grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. That is the will of God for all of his people, that we not go through life beat down, defeated, losing. He made us winners. He made us overcomers. And he's given us everything we need. He's given us uh, uh, the authority in the name of Jesus. He's given us uh, his word to feed, reveal his will and to feed our, our faith and our spirit with. He's given us his own good Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And if we follow him, he won't lead us to failure. He'll lead us to victory. He'll lead us to overcoming. So uh, get your Bible, get you something to take notes on. And uh, come on in here in the classroom and let's release our faith and let's let the Lord elevate our spirit up to another place in him to receive what he has for us, the fullness of what he has for us. Let's pray to that end today. Father, we all agree together as touching this, asking you for your anointing that teaches and reveals and quickens and heals and delivers asking you to open our eyes and our ears and hearts and minds. Show us exactly how to think and, and what the right way to go is. Any wrong thinking that we've had, help us to identify it and, and get rid of it and not be conformed to this ungodly world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds and to be able to discern and know what is your good and acceptable and perfect will. We ask it and we purpose to be doers of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's go in the textbook again today to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. If you're uh, studying faith, you have to go to Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter. And actually, that passage begins earlier uh, in Hebrews 10 as we saw it on yesterday. And if you weren't with us uh, yesterday, uh, you can go back and either watch or download the previous lesson. Easy to get to. Won't cost you anything. Uh, Hebrews 10 and verse 35. Hebrews 10, 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Confidence is another word for faith. Your confidence, which has great recompense, of reward. Now, like we said yesterday, this term great recompense, it means uh, mega, mega, and we might say it like this, mega pay, mega pay, mega reward. Does it pay to live by faith? Does it pay to not cast away your confidence, but to hold on trusting to God? It doesn't just pay, it's mega pay, mega reward. He said, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, 
and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now we know from a few verses later in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it's impossible to please him. So if he's not pleased with drawing back, then drawing back is not faith. It's failing to, to function in faith. And he mentions it again. He said, uh, if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. In verse 39, he affirms, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but we're of them that believe. So, so here he, uh, he contrasts drawing back with believing. We're, we're not of them that draw back, but we're of, of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And then it keeps flowing into chapter 11, now faith is. So we see some very important things here in understanding what faith is. Faith, as we looked at yesterday, is not passive. Faith doesn't pull back, shrink back, cower, sit back, lay back. All of that describes being passive and doing nothing and ceasing. Well, what's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of drawing back? It would be reaching out. It would be stepping out. It would be moving forward. And faith is a, a mover. Faith is a reacher. Faith is a seeker. Faith lays hold. The scripture said, fight the good fight of faith. Well, that doesn't sound like you're just sitting back doing nothing. If you're fighting the good fight of faith, you are, and if you're going to win in a fight, you need to be advancing, not retreating. And that's what we can see right here. The, the Lord said, I won't be pleased if you're retreating. I won't be pleased if you're shrinking back, pulling back. Well, if he's not pleased with that, what's he pleased with? He's pleased with faith. What, what does faith do if it doesn't shrink back? It's got to advance. It's got to move. It's got to advance forward. In fact, uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Exodus. And let's notice something here that's uh, such a perfect example of this. Exodus chapter 14 is the account of the, um, the Israelites having been delivered out of Egyptian bondage. You know, they, uh, they were there, had been there for hundreds of years as uh, slaves. And uh, then the, the scripture said God heard their cry. He heard their prayer. He raised up to them a deliverer, Moses. And Moses, you know, went to Pharaoh and told him that the Lord sent him and said, let my people go. And he said, no. <laughs> and uh, God said, oh, yeah, <laughs> you are. And uh, judgment after judgment, plague after plague came on Egypt until uh, they did release them. Well, when they let them go, the Bible said they came out with silver and with gold 
and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, this is amazing because if you've lived your whole life under the taskmaster's whip and you've lived in a hut with a dirt floor and no medical care and overworked and underfed and not adequate rest, you know in a group of millions of people there are going to be sick people. There are going to be weak people. There are people that have been injured and didn't heal upright and all kinds of things. And yet, between uh, God delivering them out of Egypt in that period of time and now them on their trek and way to the promised land, you can't find one weak person, one sick person among millions of what was a slave nation. I submit to you, something miraculous happened. And uh, this is another lesson for some time, but it happened in connection with them receiving the Passover lamb. Hallelujah. And the New Testament tells us Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us, and there is healing in the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's healing in the broken body. There's deliverance and salvation in the blood, and there's healing in the body. And so they came out, uh, not one feeble person, and also they had money. You'll see that uh, uh, they were instructed. Uh, the fear was on the people of Egypt, and so they, uh, they said, you know, could we have some of your gold? Could we have some of your silver? Could we have some of your nice clothes? And they just said, yeah, take it all. And they just, they just gave it to them. And so they left healed and with money. And this is how they began their, their deliverance then to the promised land. All of this is typical for us. It's a type and a shadow for us. Is there healing in uh, New Testament? New Covenant Christianity? If it's not, then they had something we don't have today. No, the Bible says we got a, a new covenant. It's a better covenant, not a worse covenant. Is there any provision under the new covenant, the New Testament today? They had abundant provision. They came out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Well, that's a people that's ready to do something for God. Sickness is bondage. You get enough sickness in your life, you can't leave the house. You can't leave the hospital room. Can't do anything. How are you going to work for God? Not enough strength and health. And I know people will say, well, maybe, maybe you know, God's getting glory out of your, your being sick and your being incapacitated. Don't you believe it, friend? Don't you believe it? It's not true. That's not God's perfect will for any. Now, all of us have had symptoms and had things to deal with, but we have a healer. His name is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And not only does he want us to uh, have soundness of uh, body, but he wants us to have plenty of provision. You know, uh, poverty is bondage. If you have enough poverty in your life, you, you can hardly do anything for the Lord. Can't, I mean, enough poverty, you, you don't have enough gas in your car to go to church when it's service time. Uh, you certainly can't give to help anybody. You can't help the poor. You can't help preach the gospel. Uh, 
it's not God's will for us to be restricted or limited by a lack of health or a lack of provision. No, that's a type for us. He brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. And it's God's will never changes, and He's able to sustain it no matter how long you've been sick or how bad it's been. He's able to cause you to recover. And with that new, new uh, found health and strength, you can do more for the Lord. And no matter how broke you've been and how uh, in debt you've been, He's able to get you out of debt. And He's able to, to bring you to extra that you can do something for somebody else. Help preach the gospel. Help somebody pay their bills. Why wouldn't God get more glory out of that than you being so broke you can't get to church? No, don't believe everything you've heard. Let the scriptures be your guide. Let them reveal to you. And uh, this is still talking about that the Lord is a rewarder of those that seek Him. Does it pay to seek God? Does it pay to try to believe God? Part of the reward is a healthy body. Part of the reward is being able to have your bills paid. And beyond that, being able to have abundance. Well, in the beginning of uh, their, de their deliverance, they are set free. They're no longer slaves. They've been healed. Uh, they're no longer sick. They've got money. They're no longer broke. Can you see you're ready to do something for God? You're saved. You're free. You're healed. You've got some, you've got some provision. Now you're in a position for God to use you. Get something done. But as they were departing, uh, Pharaoh, for the umpteenth time, changed his mind and said, no, not going to let them go. So he gets his armies. He pursues them until they are blocked in at the Red Sea. They've got that body of water in front of them, seemingly impassable. And they've got Pharaoh and his army, his soldiers with their spears and swords and bows and arrows and their chariots bearing down on them from the behind. This is uh, the proverbial between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> they, they, they can't go forward. They can't turn around and go back. And so we see that in Exodus 14 that the people were crying out to Moses and they were scared. And they were upset. And look in Exodus uh, 14, 15. The answer that the Lord gave them. Exodus 14, 15. Then uh, the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they do what? Go forward. Everybody say go forward. Go forward. Now what they were doing was crying out to the Lord, but they're not moving. And they'd think, move where? <laughs> Go where? There's an ocean in front of us. There's a sea in front of us. A big body of water, let's say. And you can't turn around and go back. Go forward. L listen to this in other translations. The easy to read says, The Lord said to Moses, Why are you still crying to me? Tell the Israelites to start moving. 
tell them to start moving. The, the CEV, the complete English version says that the Lord said to Moses, why do you keep calling out to me for help? Tell the Israelites to move forward. The message says, order them to get moving. Get moving. Now going back to our text, it, it doesn't please the Lord when we do what? Draw back. Pull back. Shrink back. And of course, this is what's happening. They have, they've been spared the plagues. They've been delivered from uh, slavery. They've been healed. They, they've got their provision. But now they've run into a seemingly impassable uh, block in their pathway. How are we going to get through this? They need a miracle. They need a miracle. They don't know how to get out of this. And in all of our lives, there will be situations where we need a miracle. Now, what do I mean by a miracle? A miracle is something no man can do, something we don't have the answer for, something that if things go the way the natural order uh, always does, then there's no victory here. There's no help. There's no overcoming. But we serve a God who is a miracle-working God, who does things considered impossible by men. And so when you get to that place where maybe you've got a bad report about your body and they say there's no cure for this, there's no help for this, you need a miracle then. You're in a situation with your, your spouse or your child or your family or friend that's just there's so much happened and it just seems like there's no fixing it. You don't know how it could ever be okay again. You need a miracle. Maybe you're so far behind on your bills and, and so in debt. and uh, Maybe you lost your job and any number of things, but your finances are just, you don't know how you could ever pay everything off or pay everything back or get caught up, much less be in great shape financially. You need a miracle. How do you get it? How do you get it? Many Christians, the only thing they know, the only thing they've been taught is to beg. To beg. Please God. And you know, that it's called prayer, but it's begging in prayer. Pray. Crying out. Is that what they were doing? Crying out. Lord, please. Please do something about my, uh, my finances. God, please heal me. Please heal me. Lord, please do something. Well, does the Lord like to hear us beg? I mean, how many times should we say please, 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 please? It, does it please Him that we are just, you know, humbling ourselves more and more and more and, and, and begging and begging and is that what he likes? Is that what pleases him? It's not true. Religion has taught men and women to be beggars. God never did. He never has taught us this. He's taught us to be believers. And believers are not beggars. Hmm? 
Say it out loud. Believers, Believers are, not beggars. are not beggars. They're not. You know the psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous uh, forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Uh, no good parent, no good father, no good mother wants to see their children groveling in front of them, pleading and begging for hours at a time for something. If you have ability to help them and you're inclined to help them, why make them do that? Why go day after day? You, if you get some kind of pleasure out of your child groveling and begging, that implicates an evil thing about your nature. That's not being good. And God is good. He's good. There is no darkness in Him at all. God gets no perverse pleasure out of seeing us squirm, out of seeing us plead and beg day after day. And, uh, you know, at this point, some folk could jump in and go, well, if he doesn't, why doesn't he do something? Basically because he already has. He already has done something. And it's not his move. The new birth is the perfect example of this. Does God want people who don't know him, who've never been born again, does he want them to beg and beg for him to save them? Now see, we know this about the new birth, but somehow people have got confused about other things. No. Most any believer, most any church-going man or woman would tell somebody that's begging for the Lord to save them, they'd say, no, no, quit that. Well, I've been begging the Lord to save me, and, and I just hope maybe one day he will. No. No. Why, why is it wrong for them to keep begging God to save them? Well, one of the biggest reasons is because he's already <laughs> done everything that will ever need to be done for their salvation. He put their sins, all of our sins, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. And so uh, he doesn't need to do something else for the salvation of any person who's not yet received him. What's, what's the next move? See, people try to make it God's move. Well, it, it's up to God as soon as he gets ready to save them. That's not true. He was ready to save them when Jesus went to the cross. He was ready to save them when he put their sins on Jesus and judged Jesus for their sins. He was actually ready to save them and us before the foundation of the world. He, him knowing the end from the beginning. And so for people to act like, well, I'm waiting on God now to save me, is to ignore the Bible. Ignore everything that Jesus has done. No, no. The person who has not been born again, what do they need to do? Beg God to save them? They're wasting their time. 
And if they do that, they could do that for the next 20 years with no results. What do they need to do? Sit back, lay back, wait for God to notice them? No. They need to come. Is that right? They need to stand up. They need to step forward. They need to come to the Lord. They need to reach out and lay hold of what Jesus has already done. Is that, is that true, class? They, they need to reach out. This is not passive. This is, is rising up, reaching out, coming to him, laying hold of this salvation that's already been provided and receiving what's already been given, believing in their heart, confessing with their mouth what they have received, and as surely as they do, they will be gloriously born again. If you haven't done that, friend, watching right now, I want you to join with us. I want you to do it. I want you to say it out loud. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus, your son, that he went to the cross. He paid the price for all my sins. And I do believe you have raised him from the dead. I come. By faith, I lay hold of what's been done for me. By faith, I believe I receive complete salvation in Jesus. And I confess, Jesus is Lord, my Lord, my Savior. I take it now. And I confess, and I, confess. I, am I am clean. I am saved. I, am saved. I, have, received him. I have received him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Praise God. Just lift thank your hands and thank him. Hallelujah. If you, did, if you really did that by faith for the first time, you know something miraculous has happened in you. It feels like this giant weight just rolled off of you. And there is this, this brilliance of life, this quickening inside of you. You have been born again. You are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's the most wonderful of all wonderful things. He really is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And this reward is megas. It is so huge. It's wonderful in this lifetime. He'll heal you. He'll bless you. He'll provide for you. But in the life to come too, eternal life and eternal reward. Well, that's it again today for Faith School. Uh, don't forget to go back and look at the previous lessons. But be with us again tomorrow and we're going to come up even higher in the Lord. We love you. Say it out loud. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome this world by faith. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. Praise God.